Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. And we're live. Welcome to episode 20 for We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Alicia. Alicia, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I cannot complain. It seems like soccer's on every time I turn on the, the, the TV. <laughs> yeah, we're all excited that everything's slowly coming back to normal now. Right. It definitely feels like that the more that uh, the governors open up the state, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you we're just waiting to get some home games with at least a couple of fans in there. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Right. Definitely. You know, it's... You know, at this point, hopefully, there's only only the only way to go is up. Um, so, wanted to open this one up and and ask you um, just overall going into the ma- the match with Colorado Springs, uh, what was your impression um, of what United needed to do? Um, you know, in order to to get a result. Man, I I don't know. When they went out there, they kind of looked sluggish. They weren't as strong as they were in the previous match. It, it wasn't the formation because we kind of been testing out that formation and we've been doing fine with it. I just have no idea why we weren't performing as we were against the Monarchs. Right, yeah, because, I mean, obviously the result is a 1-1 draw with Colorado Springs. And, you know, that to me is a lot different than what I expected to come out of that match. Um, But nonetheless, I think that we kind of knew that New Mexico couldn't walk into that match uh, being too comfortable or too complacent uh, just because, you know, Colorado Springs had been showing some fight, you know, in their match with Austin and also in El Paso. Uh, so they were obviously looking to to win. Yeah, they were obviously looking to win. And as the commentators, they didn't shut up about the Austin match. But, you know, it was really impressive. They were down. And I think it was like three nil, I want to say, and they and then they ended up getting the four four tie. So you know the switchbacks, they're they're looking and they're looking and they're looking to try and get into playoffs this season, and they're looking they they were looking more at us because you know we're at the top of the table and for that point difference, they didn't want us to get points because it would just mean that they're closer to getting either the number two spot where El Paso is or getting closer to getting the number one spot. Yeah, that's right. Definitely points are of the essence right now. And, and every match, you know, already kind of being a six pointer in that, you know, it's six points for, for one team to gain and six points less for the other team to gain 
you know, a bigger deal probably for teams that are in the second and third positioning when they're playing the number one or two team um, as far as being able to climb up the ranks. Uh, so let's let's get into uh, a little bit about this match. Um, and, and, and I guess I would just kind of start it off with this. I know that they came out in a high press, which is something we've seen New Mexico do, obviously, uh, really – We've seen it a lot in the El Paso matches. Um, I really do like when they come out in the high press because I feel like it it really does serve to sort of confuse um, the opponent. We did see that the high press, you know, did kind of cause switchbacks to um, get a little bit disarray and, 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 you know, they weren't able to take their time, you know, to be able to, to play things around the way they wanted to play. Yeah, I I can see that we did come out in a high pressure and the possession it was it was kind of going back and forth all night. No either side was having more possession than the other. There was times where it was like that, but other than that it was pretty much even and also too I just didn't really see the connection that we were having. It seemed like we were starting to go back like how we were in the beginning, you know, leaving the middle open, hence the the shot I believe Daniels took and it went in. So it, I just think maybe, you know, being on the road so much, they're getting tired. Right, yeah, definitely. We, you know, we we've talked about Christian Valeski and we've talked about Aiden Daniels and even George Lavisi, for that matter, um, just being dangerous, um, you know, being guys that, you know, can can get shots. Uh, Colorado Springs being a team that really loves to play the cross, um, you know, uh, w- whether it's been successful or not. I mean, they have high numbers when it comes to uh, trying to play, play the cross into the box. Um, and I know that Initially, if you remember when Guzman came off um, for a little knock that he had, um, that's when I kind of started to see a little bit of of error for New Mexico. Um, there was a ball that was passed to where Guzman normally would be, uh, but he obviously wasn't there. He was on the sideline. And then that's a ball where ultimately Springs recovers it. And I thought to myself, okay, we can't have that start to happen because, you know, it's it's a ball like that where Guzman was in when he missed it in Phoenix. And that was the ball that, you know, became basically a shot on the other end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was basically, you know, kind of like the, a domino effect when you don't have that one person there, like everything else just, just starts to fall apart. Yeah, and um, and then transitioning at, at a minute seven, uh, the players lined up in a circle, and of course um, they were giving tribute uh, to uh, or using the time, I should say, rather um, to to honor uh, both Jacob Blake and George Floyd. Obviously, the seven minutes was for the seven shots in the back on Jacob Blake and the eight minutes and 46 seconds is for the time that 
the officer had his knee on the back of Floyd's neck. Um, you know, I've come to understand that, you know, soccer is like a game that doesn't stop. Soccer doesn't have any breaks except for these hydration breaks due to COVID. And so ultimately all this time is precious time, right? I mean, more or less, like it's just, it's a continuous thing. And so, you know, for players to stand for a minute and, and 46 seconds, you know, where, like I've said, they've started off in this press. This is like the beginning of their game, so to say. I mean, like, what's your take on, like, the significance uh, of that moment? Do you think that, like, what do you, what was your, like, take on just on just what was happening during that time? I I thought it was awesome that they did that. Like you said, knowing how time is crucial right now with getting points on the table. When it came to that, it they didn't care what was going on around them. They knew what they believed in, and they took a stand for it, knowing that maybe there might be consequences uh, with how some owners or um, – you know, how fans might react to because not everyone has the same opinion. And even then, you see all the players on the field standing in the middle, but you truly don't know their opinions, but you know that they support each other because at the end of the day, it's not political-wise or anything. It's having each other's backs and just standing together for for a good cause and right now how the world is it's like kind of basically in flames and they're just trying to get justice for it right and you bring up a good fact that um that you know moments like that were both supported and also there was pushback i know you know in looking at the comments after the club put up the statement you know kind of letting you know if the fans know what was happening, you know, there was a, a good array of, of comments that were in support of it. And then there was like, obviously the other folks that were not in support of it that like kind of live in every comment. Anytime that the club has supported something, whether it had been this, um, whether it had been um, the initial um, against racism post, you know, um, I venture to say, it was even kind of like that initially with, with Manny Padilla, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in there some was, way. Yeah, it was like, it was obviously a different situation, but you know, some of the comments you read them and they trigger you and they say, like, oh, well, I'm not supporting the club anymore and this and that. I'm like, but really, do you have to care what the club thinks or are you just there to? watch soccer and you like the club because of the players and just you know leave the opinions out of it if you feel you know so targeted by it everyone has an opinion go ahead no go ahead oh i was just gonna say and i mean i think i know what you're gonna say so i want you to definitely finish that um i was gonna say could you imagine if if someone else could say to i don't know the random person who's like Hey, you guys should just keep, you know, keep the bullshit out of soccer. Um, I just want to watch you play. Like, could you imagine if someone could say to that person, like, "Hey, how about you just do whatever you do for eight to five and don't make opinions on the page"? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because it's yeah, like it's so it's crazy it's just it's interesting how people can uh how they can basically just marginalize people like they can say hey hey player you're just a player that's all you are like you don't have anything important to say unless it's something that i want to hear yeah and it just comes back to it. It's opinions. They're called opinions for a reason. And everyone, it might be the same talk topic, but we all have a different say in it. We yeah. might have similar things, but they're all so different. We're never going to agree on it. And if it's just, you're going to cause arguments and, and just fights because you've, because you're not reading or hearing what you want to hear at that point, just take a step back and really just look at the situation and be like, you know what? They have different opinions. I have different opinions. It is what it is, but I still like the team. Words of wisdom from Alicia right there. <laughs> um, you know, it's crazy. I was thinking like, you know, there was a time when players, anytime players at airspace, players were promoting shoes. Hey, buy my shoes or, they were holding bottles of soda and promoting, you know, those sponsors. Like they, you know what I mean? Like there was a time when maybe that's what they were using their platform for was to sell more products. And, you know, and, and I, I mean, I, I would venture to say that people probably were like, ah, stop selling me stuff, you know, mm -hmm. stop selling me products or I don't drink Sprite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I'm sure, I'm sure there's people have never been happy, you know, with, with that, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, but nonetheless, like you said, like the players obviously found some importance in it and, you know, they're trying to ultimately be intentional, I think. Um, so I think it was good that, that they were able to do that. I also thought it was good that they, the, um, that there's, that the, that players have come together to establish the the Black Players Alliance um, of USL. Like it mm -hmm. seems to be very much needed to represent um, those players. Um, and and I, honestly, I hope that I'm I'm hope that that also will essentially cover uh, Indigenous and people of color as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm sure yeah. they typically are synonymous like the way that they work um, as they're looking out for, for individual parties. But I think that uh, one thing I've learned about the Black Players Alliance is that it basically operates like in relation to like the regular USL Players Alliance. So like if say the USL Players Alliance, remember the beginning of this year, they were negotiating contracts. They were negotiating, you know, maybe certain players who made so much money and the USL players also, or players association was trying to protect players who had smaller contracts from getting impacted. Well, if there are players, say, from Ghana or Africa or you know the different uh, the different countries, um, if the USLPA uh, maybe left out a detail or forgot about you know some of th those players who obviously would be most impacted. Um, by not having resources here, then the USL BPA would basically work with the USLPA to make sure that they negotiated things on behalf of their clients. So, um, you know, it's basically, 
I guess, other ways on how it works. And earlier today, we did see that uh, the USL uh, Black Players Alliance, that they did launch a website um, as well, um, which, you know, could be accessed through their Twitter, which is uh, USL BPA. Um, one thing I was really excited about, Alicia, with that was um, there was the player, uh, Matt Watson, uh, of the ND11. He's the captain. And so... Mm-hmm. Last Wednesday, he said that he just did not feel emotionally stable to play in the match. You know, he didn't refuse to play. He just didn't feel emotionally stable. And so he sat on the bench. And, you know, this was kind of in relation to the fact that he didn't think that he actually supported enough, uh, supported the initiative enough that he didn't give Black Lives Matter and those things like enough time of his time. And, you know, he's also, you know, a black footballer. And, you know, even played for Wolverhampton. Uh, And, you know, and so he kind of just confessed on his Twitter like that. And, you know, and it it seemed like a very powerful, strong moment that, you know, for him to, like, admit that was huge because, you know, not only, um, you know, is he being transparent, but to me it it speaks in a whole other realm, you know, of, of, you know, of men being able to share their hearts and being able to just profess, like, you know, what's really going on inside them. Um, so, so he, so this week uh, I was looking at the website or today I was looking at the website for a USL Black Players Alliance. And he turns out to be one of the three um, um, gentlemen in leadership. And I thought to myself, what a way to take your pain, turn it into passion to labor for something bigger than yourself. And, and what, what do you think about that? I think it's great because, you know, he's admitting that I like he's not doing much and it's taking kind of like a toll on him because he feels that he needs to do more. And I I just I love when people do that because they they're taking times and stepping back and realizing and opening their eyes that, you know, this is going on what more can I do? Because what I've done isn't enough. And I bet what they've done is more than enough, but they keep going and pushing and pushing because it's what they believe in. And they want to do more to make everyone happy at the end of the day and have peace because it's it's a tough issue. And the fact that he admitted that himself, because it's probably not easy to admit that, Um, And then he just pushed and pushed and did more than enough. It just comes to show that if he can do that, then he's going to do way more. And it's like, it's just unstoppable for him. And who knows what he's going to do in the next month or a year from now, because if he has those like goals and dreams and he pushes himself, he's, he's going to do way more than what he would have thought, you know, yesterday or last week. Right. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So we'll definitely um, just be kind of following on what they're doing. And, you know, and obviously I'm interested to see how our local players um, get involved with that initiative or even other initiatives. Um, you know, that, that reminds me, I believe, uh, Devin Sandoval has a, a beer out, right, by Star Brothers. And, and and some of the proceeds go to – I didn't get to see what exactly it went to. I don't know if you have looked at that much. We can 
certainly find it if, if we need to. I saw that he did collaborate with Star Brothers, but I know it was for something, but I just can't remember what it was the proceeds were for. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back at the end of the show and, and I'll have pulled up the Instagram for it. It just it made me think about um, some of the things that the other players are doing um, to, to try to raise money for charitable causes. And, and, and so we'll, we'll go back to that. Um, so kind of jumping back into this Colorado Springs match, uh, I wanted to, to, to ask you, like, uh, what did you feel was a real pivotal moment um, in the match in the first half? Was there anything that really stuck out to you about the way we were playing or, um, you know, or even how Colorado was playing? Mm. Not so much about us, other than the fact that we looked kind of sluggish, but Colorado, it seems like they're, they're getting their stuff together, and they're doing better, and they might be one of those teams that are going to be scary at the end, like, you know, like Las Vegas Lights, for example, they, they tied with Phoenix, and also Reno, Bury is out there. He's doing an amazing job as their goalkeeper. And they won against Phoenix. It's those little teams that you're going to have to really watch out for in the end. And I think Colorado Springs is going to be one of them. Okay. Yep. Um, so there was a point uh, earlier in the match. I want to say it was somewhere around 10 minutes. I could be off on the time. But uh, Christian Valeski um, got a shot off on the crossbar on Cody. Do you remember that shot? Oh yeah, yeah that that was a little scary. I'm not gonna lie. Um, you know, Christian Valeski found two goals against Austin, and you know, I mean, ultimately he he has been just a ball of energy. And when he got that shot off on crossbar, I thought it's a good thing that didn't go in because because um, no team has really gotten a point over United in the first period except for Austin. You know, as far as and I don't – was that even – that was – was that nil-nil in the first half? I feel like it was, but – Yeah, it was a penalty in the second half. So, I mean, no one has gotten a point on United in the first first half through the year. And so when that, when that crossbar shot hit, I thought, you know, okay, this guy needs to be marked. You know, like, like what are we doing here? Come on, guys. You know, um, on the other end, around 16 minutes – uh, Armando Moreno gets the header that just goes wide of the net. Um, for a minute, I thought he got it in. I did too. It was, was I believe Moreno had a, like a pretty good amount of shots up on top, and that header, I I thought it was going to go in. I was excited for it. Yeah, I mean, and and talking about Moreno um, before you before. We got together tonight. I was looking up uh, some of his just some some of his play uh, through the last. Uh, I guess was it the last seven matches, and he had he has obviously a goal in each of the last matches. Um, he has a goal in each of the last matches. Um, this Colorado Spring match, uh, the last two Real Monarch matches. He has an assist in the Colorado Springs match before that. 
and he's got an assist in the Phoenix match, a goal in the OKC match, and then an assist in the El Paso match. So, I mean, Amado Moreno has been just on fire as far as how much involvement he has had uh, with scoring goals or assisting goals to be scored. Um, you know, to me right now, he seems like a very uh, big piece for us with Devin being out. Yeah, and like like I said last time, like I've been saying this since he was signed that he was going to make a, dig, a big difference and a huge impact on our team. And as you can see, he is with all of um, Weehan's goals, I believe, like most of them, um, they've been assists from Moreno or Dev. They've been with Dev's goals too. They've been assisted by Moreno. The other goals, they've been by Moreno. The penalty, it was Moreno last time. You, it's just those, um, like those little plays and the little touches here and there that he has that are going to make a huge impact on the pitch. And there's a reason why, you know, when um, we played Monarchs the first time and we had our starter sitting out and Troy put in Moreno and Weehan didn't play, it's for a reason because he knows Moreno can is so diverse in playing that he makes those plays, whether it be an assist, him making a goal, or even, you know, like assisting the other person that's going to assist to make the ball go in. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so we went scoreless in the first half with Colorado Springs. And um, again, we have gotten a goal in the first half of like every match uh, since we had last played in Austin. So to me, I was a little disappointed uh, that we had struggled that long to find a goal. I mean, the last time we played Colorado Springs, at least there was the goal we got at 44 minutes. I'm sorry, what I, you kind of cut off. What did you say? Oh, okay. No, it's fine. Um, I was saying that it's crazy that we have scored a goal in the first half of every match since we've returned. And in this case, we, we struggled to find a goal out there. I mean, we went entire first half. And, you know, the last time we had a half like that was the last match against Colorado Springs when we had found that, that tight space for that goal from the Amando assist. Um, you know, and, and my thought is like, they can't afford to, they can't afford to go a first half without scoring like that again. I mean, the only thing that saved it was that they held Colorado Springs from not scoring too. Yeah, we can't do that because like I was saying, we've been playing the full 90 and we can't be just playing, you know, 50 or just the second half now we we have to play the full 90 and right now you know points are everything and we have to keep that gap between us and El Paso right now right and so we go into the second half and Romeo Parks has the ball he ultimately draws a foul on on like just at the top of the box and Moreno is the one who is going to take uh, the penalty kick. And my question to you is, did you think that 
did you were you kind of expecting Romeo to take it, or I mean, what were your thoughts about how that went down? Because I was surprised that Moreno actually was taking that kick. I honestly thought Bees was going to take it. And when I saw Moreno, you know, setting up and stuff, I, I was excited because I was like 99% sure it was going to go in. Yeah. And so it goes in and we go up 1-0. Um, and, of course, like the lead didn't last very long as our, our favorite villain for Colorado Springs finds a way to to even it up, Aiden Daniels gets this amazing looking goal again, where it curls into the net past Cody, and and it's just, you know, I mean, you couldn't deny it. I mean, it it was a a great goal, but you know, we didn't have the lead for very long. Yeah, we didn't have the lead, unfortunately. But I mean, um, Daniel's goal was. It was amazing. There was nothing truly Co- Cody could do to stop it. It was it curled into the back of the net and, and it was way out of Cody's reach. Right. And so it maybe a couple minutes later, uh Weehan goes out. Yeah, somewhere in I think the sixty second minute his night was over. Um when this happened for me, I, I was a little concerned. Uh, that we weren't going to basically have any sort of of offense in, you know, because it seemed a little soon for Troy to start shifting the pieces. Um, he puts in Daniel Bruce, and, of course, David Estrada comes in as well. Um, did, you, did you have, like, any concern um, that the game was shifting from – one where we could still be trying to win it into something where it looked like we were just going to be trying to hold on to a draw. I mean, I I don't know if if I thought at that moment that we were trying to hold on to a draw with 30 minutes left, but it kind of seemed to me that we were holding off to a draw at that point because he started making so many changes and you know taking out Guzman, putting in Williams, which we'll we'll get to him in a little bit but it to me it just seemed you know we'll take the point rather than no points right so just as you you mentioned ryan williams we've been trying to figure him out for the last couple of matches obviously to figure out his his role um and things and and this match probably didn't pay as much favor um i will tell you that in the press conference earlier today, Troy said that he thought Ryan Williams made a tactical foul, which was smart, and that he liked his style of play and that he just needs to be smarter. But going back to this match, like, I mean, we're watching this match, and Ryan Williams, and it's not even just him. It's like Andrew Tanari is they're, – they're both extra, being extra in this match, like – I don't even know if they necessarily needed to be extra or or was it the referees just not giving us any sort of favor? Because it seemed like every time we did something, a yellow card slipped out, and then every time they did something, there were no yellow cards. So I couldn't figure out if it was our guys just being extra or if the refs were kind of a part of the situation. Man, I don't know. Um 
but it kind of was, you know, between Tenari and Williams with they were, to me, it didn't, well, there were like kind of some dirty plays that they, that they made. But other than that, like it kind of did feel like, you know, like we barely tapped someone and then a yellow card came out. Like it was just, it it was hard and they really needed to watch that. And I'm gl- I'm kind of glad that, you know, Tanari got subbed out before he got a red, but then Williams ended up getting the red and oh man, I don't know if you looked it over with Ryan's um, foul when he got the second yellow for the red, I believe. Yeah. Was it the first or the second one? I couldn't remember. Ricky pushed him on the neck because he was running. I laughed when I saw that. I felt bad, but um, I was like, whoa, like we're playing, playing soccer. We're not playing football, but that was, that was really bad on, on Williams to do that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, his, his fouls put us down a man. He gets a red card, which I was actually, I'm surprised. I probably thought he would have got a red card in, in Salt Lake City, to be honest with you, based on how that night was going. But comes in not even not even 20 minutes that he's been in, you know, and, and has successfully pulled or gotten two cards. And, um, and so he's sent off when we're playing down a man. So now this is obviously, you know, we're sitting here at, what, like 76 minutes. We're, we're drawn up even, 1-1. One, one. And at this point, Colorado Springs is thinking, okay, hey, we got a match to win. Like, we're up a guy. Um, you know, and, and I mean, to spare the theatrics for the most part, you know, Colorado Springs goes on a little bit of a tear. You know, I kind of thought we could still try to win the match, but it, it seems that it just, that that sort of effort was lost um, when we're in a four-four-one, and we have Romeo Parks who's trying to run around and for a little a little bit, and so eventually they bring in Sammy Sergi. And so I'm. Ser- th- oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, Sergi to me kind of looked. I think it's because we haven't seen him play as much as you know Romeo or Jody's any of the newbies. He kind of seemed a little bit rocky to me, but then again, since he hasn't played in so long, it could also be his nerves. But I mean, at that point, you're I think Troy was just defend, 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 and then went on top is like just run around and see if you could do something. Yeah, it, it that's not when you want to see Sergi. I mean, we've been wanting to see him play and. You know, and, and this is the junction when we see him. Um, I, I just thought, well, okay, well, we had to get a sub in there. But, you know, I didn't really expect us to to find another goal in there unless somehow we could draw a foul and get a, a PK um, for the most part. Um, all in all, I mean, there's just not much more to say about the match. I mean, I think that you know, Colorado Springs really played New Mexico um, to a very high standard. Um, honestly, I I thought we might have lost that match. And, and I mean, kind of my overall outlook on that match is that 
if that's the way we go into that match the next time, that we could very potentially lose that match. Yeah, it it's possible, and they're they're getting they're they're getting a strong team, and also too, the way we played on on Saturday, it makes me scared of how we're gonna go into El Paso because we know El Paso. They're a little bit more put together than Springs, but you know, with Spring, with Springs, they don't have these new signings that El Paso has, so it it's definitely scary. Right on, and so and so with that, um, we'll transition now. Earlier today, uh, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're hearing it on Thursday, um, the third. And uh, we're currently recording this on Wednesday the 2nd. So earlier today, I got a chance to speak with uh, Mika from Seriously Loco. It's the the Locomotive Insider uh, podcast, also on the BGN. Um, And I know, Alicia, you couldn't be with me on this conversation. Um, So we'll go ahead and, and cue it up now and listen to it. All right, my uh, my next guest uh, comes from the the wrong side of the tracks, uh, you know. Needs no really further un- introduction, but uh, I- I've got on the show uh, Mika Burrell. Uh, Mika, how you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me on the show. I don't know if I mean I'll take it. Wrong side of the tracks, whatever. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you tell our listeners uh, what what podcast that you represent and what team you cover? For sure. So uh, I am a co-host of the Seriously Loco podcast, uh, proud member of the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, we cover El Paso Locomotive, um, of course, with the podcast, but also uh, we do a lot of long form articles and, and some live streaming of, of games back when you could do that kind of thing before the pandemic. Um, and, and yeah, we just do all, all kinds of content for, for locomotive fans. And, and, and yeah, I think we're one of a, a few independent content creators for locomotive. So it's definitely a niche um, project, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And you know, me and Alicia, when she's, she's not able to be on this at this time, but uh, she, we, we all have kind of listened to you guys at some point, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I subscribe, so I try to hear what's going on, especially more so because it's group C. Uh, but you know, Absolutely. that was before the case. Um, and, and of course, we are Seek and Strike podcast is also a member of Beautiful Game Network. So this is like inner family potting yeah, right here. Do it. It's yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Always good to just grow the community. I mean, I know you know we are rivals, but but at the end of the day, I think we're all just happy that our our clubs exist, you know, and that we have you know local clubs that we can support and kind of bond over, um, you know, throughout the league. So yeah, for sure. Now speaking of that and teams to. That, that we've got that we're happy about. And you guys just recently uh, found out that you could have fans, right? The last match you guys had fans at the Southwestern University Park? Correct. So the club made the announcement a couple days before the match that uh, they would be allowing a limited capacity of fans at, at Southwest University Park. Um, uh, the capacity, I believe, with standing room all included is about 11 or 12K. But uh, for this match, they allowed about 800 fans. 
which is about 11% capacity. I don't know if that math works out. Someone can <laughs> double check me on that, but uh, right. hey, yeah, it was a, it was a sellout for capacity. So there were about 800 people there. And uh, of course they were all socially distancing and um, hand sanitizer stations were everywhere and not all of the concessions were open. Um, so, so all in all, I think that the club, um, you know, took the, the allowance of fans very seriously as far as trying to, to mitigate any risk of, you know, COVID-19. I mean, we're still still in a pandemic, so right. we're just trying to, you know, go forward with some sense of normalcy, but still be being careful. So, And you, and you went to that match, right? I did, yes. I, I went as a press, so I was in the uh, home dugout, which is the makeshift press box for, for COVID-19 purposes. So, oh, that's crazy. Um, okay. Yeah, they don't they don't want anyone kind of crowding around in the press box that that doesn't need to be. Um, so so a lot of the media are kind of on the side, like literally on the on the uh, pitch almost. So yeah, so um, definitely an interesting experience for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd really wonder. I mean, we like I said, because you know, obviously we haven't had any home matches, so we haven't really been able to experience even a bit of that COVID media kind of per, per, uh, persona. Um, when you're watching that match, like, I mean, what is, what is the crowd, uh, participation or involvement kind of seem like, I mean, obviously much different than, than what it's normally like there, but what did it feel like this time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no, there's no avoiding the fact that it was a little bit different, but I do want to give a big shout out to the fans that did go because they made plenty of noise. Um, of course, eighth notch, a lot of, of their members were in attendance. They brought the flags, they brought the drums, there was still smoke bombs. So, I mean, they, they definitely did their, their part to, to, to make a match day atmosphere, um, you know, as close to what we're used to, um, pre pandemic, I guess you could say. Um, but, but as far as fans that are, are, you know, weren't part of the supporters group, I really got the sense that the fans that were there were very much like hardcore locomotive supporters just based on, and I, I kind of touched on this in our, our most recent episode of seriously local, but just based on some of the banter I was hearing out of the stands was very like, you know, they were, you know, one guy was, was kind of yelling at slate and the keeper for, for rail monarchs to play it out from the back, you know, just like tactical banter that you might not hear from some of the <laughs> casuals. So um, it, it was definitely interesting. Um, and, and then, you know, some of my colleagues that were up in the press box, said that it sounded pretty loud and and you know like it was more than 800 fans so so well, yeah not the same but but you know it was it was still fun and, and i was completely engrossed in the game you know once the uh whistle for kickoff went off so well i'm sure like hearing actual audio from the from fans is a lot better than hearing like 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 parched in audio from like when you're watching it through espn plus for sure. right? so. yeah i hate I don't know how other people feel about this, but I personally hate fake crowd noise. I'd rather hear the players and, and the coaching staff like screaming at each other and the kind of, I'd rather hear that like hollowness of, of a big stadium empty. I mean, the Bundesliga, of course, were the first to, to return as far as big soccer leagues are concerned. And then of course the other leagues filed suit. And uh, I just did, I don't know. I don't like fake crowd noise. I mean, they they seem to have gotten better about it, like making the crowd noise actually fit the situation that's going on on the pitch. But I would just I don't know. How do you feel about it? I, I'd rather just hear like the organic noises of the pitch. Yeah. See, that when it first when it first happened with Bundesliga, like I thought that it was 
I don't know why I thought it. I, my, well, I knew that it wasn't the crowd, but I thought that at least the players could hear it. And it wasn't until I was watching a particular match. I can't think of the teams, but the team was the home team, and they were down like 4-0, and I was like, okay, they can't hear this because, I mean, they're definitely not responding in performance, you know, yeah. to all this, yeah. all this cheering. Like, this is definitely not helping their play. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I guess I, I don't really like it just because I don't think that it matches what's happening in the game. And then, of course, to know that the players can't even hear it and somehow embody it as, hey, this is these are people. Yeah. You know, and I guess at that point, it would be very neutral cheering. So either team could really grab it if that were the case. And it just probably would feel like people are just, just making noise. And <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I didn't really, really like it. I mean, I knew that like before they returned to play, like with Bundesliga and even in the Prem, that they were, they were kind of con- trying to consider neutral stadiums and, and letting the home team control the audio as, as it may. But then of course, you know, that didn't, pan out and they just went with, Hey, you're, they're just playing at each other's place. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, no, I definitely would prefer like actual people. And, and we had recently asked our players, um, in our last press conference, uh, last week, you know, at the time that we had heard about, you know, um, the swap being able to allow fans, we were like, okay, well, you know, you've played El Paso two times without, any fans, you know, so obviously very neutral kind of setup, but you know, this next time, obviously there'll be fans there, you know, and, and you know, what we thought if that were any sort of, um, I guess, aesthetic advantage, advantage to them or whatnot. And I mean, they pretty much like the fact that there's going to be fans there because, you know, players that go into other players, other team stadiums, they like to draw from that energy. They say they, you know, they, you know, it's like a challenge for the away team to like kind of silence a home crowd, if you will, or, Absolutely. you know, or maybe just to take in all that banter, the good, the good, the good uh, folks that can sit close enough, they can shout out something about the player or has probably trolled their, their Twitter or, you know, what, <laughs> yeah, what, what have you, all the, all the fun stuff that goes with it. So, um, yeah. So nonetheless, that's cool. Like I, I'm definitely jealous because, uh, you know, last year, the first time we had played there, you know, I just got in the car and was like, all right, well, I'm going to go to El Paso. Like it wasn't like something that I planned for weeks. I was just like, well, why not? You know, this is pop on down. Yeah. And now it's something that you have to like really take into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Cause it's like, Oh, if I'm going to go there and then come back, I'm going to get tested, you know? And, and it's like, do I really want some swab in my brain? I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I can't. I can't imagine that it's good the first time or this or the tenth time. So. Right. <laughs> so then, um, let's. I was kind of wanting to have you on. I wanted to really, obviously, go through El Paso Locomotive as far as like you know things that have been going on with the team since the last time United um, and Locomotive faced each other. And you know, I know that you guys have had a number of signings. You had some drops, but you had some signings. Um, for the team and wanted to hear, I guess, how these newer signings have integrated into your lineup and, you know, what you're seeing out of them at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, like you said, we've had a lot of, of, uh, 
chopping and changing as far as the playing personnel is concerned. I think probably the the biggest signing I would say is in terms of impact um, at, at one from the beginning of the season is is Dylan Mares. Um, obviously, you know with Sebastian Velasquez departing the club um, last season uh, to to move to the Miami FC. There, you know, there was an obvious hole in, in in terms of the the creative midfielder, that number ten, um, who was going to you know create and, and play the strikers in and, and all that kind of thing. So, uh, Dylan comes to us from from Indy Eleven, um, and he just he fits Mark Lowry's system and this team like a glove. I mean, he's basically one of the first names on the team sheet every week. I, I mean, I I have my concerns, and we talk about this on Seriously Loco of that we're burning him out a little bit, <laughs> but uh, he's just that good as far as, he, you know, he's just a classic number 10, um, right. but someone with an extremely high defensive work rate too, and, and a dead ball specialist to boot. So he, he's, he takes all our corners. He takes all our free kicks. Um, he's already scored a free kick. Uh, he assisted one last game out. Uh, he assisted from a corner last game out. So he, he's very important to the side. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, something that Mark Lowry's kind of gotten uh, he, that he does quite a bit is is bring on or, or bring in new players kind of midseason. And, and of course, this season is unlike any other. So, right. yeah, exactly. um, yeah, but some of the some of the newer guys, of course, you know, we have this con- uh, connection with FC Juarez since we share owners. Um, FC Juarez, of course, they play in the um, top flight of Mexican football. Uh, so with that connection, we've been able to leverage, you know, um, the the deal for Josue Aaron Gomez, and he's in his second season with us. But the new players are um, Leandro Cajillo and and Edor Barelli. So Edor's a left back. We haven't seen him play yet. Um, I'm assuming he's just going to be depth for for Andrew Fox, who's who's our nailed on starter at left back. Um, and, and Leandro, he is an incredible player. Um, he scored an insane amount of goals in the Mexican second division, mostly. Yeah, I was um, reading up on that. It was like he was scoring almost every other game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's clinical. Um, he's one of those kind of old school center forwards, um, but of course with that Brazilian flair, you know. So uh, as far as, uh, but you know, he is a little bit older, um, at least in terms of you know soccer players. <laughs> right. But. Right. Uh, yeah, he's he's a proven goal scorer. That's something that that is not a secret to most that El Paso Locomotive have struggled to score goals at times. Um, so so he's kind of just a natural um, player to bring in. So far, we've only seen him make two appearances as a very late sub, kind of one of those time waster subs. Right. So it's it's not been it's not been easy to kind of judge how he fits into the team, but but we suspect that he's. Um, you know, going to be a depth option, someone who can come on late and maybe give us that other, that other dimension because Josue is more of a smaller, uh, more agile striker. Whereas Leandro's, you know, a bit taller, can kind of hold the ball up, get on some headers. Um, so, so he's just another option uh, in the attack. And then um, of course, Brent Coleman. Now he's one that, that we have seen start, couple games now already right he comes to us on loan from minnesota united um he already has a goal to his name he scored an excellent header last time out against real monarchs that i was able to see in person and i'm not even gonna lie to you i celebrated a little bit even though (laughs) i was in the press box so so brent 
it's very obvious from his play that he has a little bit more quality than, than we're used to coming from an MLS side. So um, he, he's an interesting one for sure. And then uh, Maka King, he's a, a right back and he's, he started quite a bit too. I was a little, I was a little apprehensive about this signing because I had spoken with some Indy 11 fans who suggested that he was like third or fourth choice for them, Yeah, which having seen what how Maka plays now is is kind of incredible to me like cuz he's he's a very good player he he can whip across my goodness Jeez. um and that's something you guys love i mean you guys love crosses yeah yeah we cross a lot and uh you know last season we had James Kiffy at left back and he had six assists from that position so you know it was uh, with James departing it was obvious that we needed someone who can play make from that position as well so so in that regard, Maka King fits uh, the Lowry system pretty well as well. Um, and it's also allowed uh, Brian Rebellion to kind of venture into midfield these past couple of games. This is kind of an experiment <laughs> that's going on right now with Locomotive is seeing if Brian, uh, who is usual, our usual starting right back, can, can be a midfielder. So, um, How is that going? You know, it's it's interesting, um, and I know that sounds like a euphemism for terrible, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, Phil brought up a really good point on one of our podcasts recently that, you know, with, with fullbacks, usually they're receiving the ball in an area of the pitch where they don't really need to turn with it. Midfielders are expected to, you know, receive the ball, turn, pick out a pass. It's It's a lot more of a cerebral position if you will i mean right. playing in the middle of the park is is extremely difficult uh especially in a mark lowry side where possession is is king so brams he's had some some good things but also some things that he needs to work on and i mean he he scored a goal last time out he made team of the week despite having 66 percent pass accuracy which just isn't good enough in a mark lowry side but right. it's a work in progress and i think that uh as he gets more comfortable with the position and he and Maka King start to understand each other better in terms of, you know, filling in each other's positions when, when we have possession or when we're out of possession, when we're being countered, whatever the game state may be. I think as, you know, as he gets more comfortable with that, he'll, he'll be more comfortable in midfield in general and, and won't get to see his quality because he is a quality player. Right. Yeah. I guess for, for our side, I mean, we obviously I, I would love to see, new signings drop in in the middle of the season. I mean, I guess from a fan perspective, that's probably cool because they, they get to be stoked about someone else or, um, you know, for those that are like, you know, getting kits like custom, then they get, you know, another player to be happy about. I, I would imagine that's usually a lot of the yeah. stoke. So that's funny that you bring that up. So are does New Mexico United offer customized kits? So no, they're all, they're all based like the way that you see them, like they come without the the numbers or anything on the back. But there's a place, there's one business here called House of Soccer that basically does all the customization. So most people obviously will take them there. The team takes their kits there and she does all the, uh, the lady there, Opal, she does all the customizations. Like she does it for all the teams in New Mexico. Wow. So okay. Cause yeah, that's a big, uh, yeah. that's a big thing that a stick that we beat the club with in, in El Paso is there's no, they don't offer like customization in the team shop. And it's just uh Phil, Phil could rant about this all day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting that you brought that up. Uh, Cause if I could customize a kit, I, I would probably be putting Mars on my back, but <laughs> yeah, not right. an option for us yet. Just typically yet. people, 
typically people in the know here. Like, so I would say like David Carl the Curse and maybe a lot of people that are in, on the interweavings of that of the of the supporters group will send their or they will go to FC FTC for the culture, mm. and they will get custom numbers and uh, you know and nameplates done there because they add a bit of flair and they can usually match that. Yeah. If you wanted something like kind of southwesty or kind of you know along those lines, they can usually kind of give you that you know and and then. It we just get it sent back here and then the local shop will just press it on for, you know, next to nothing pretty much. Um, nice. Yeah. So those are, those have been options, but it would be interesting to see the, the USL or see the teams evolve to like having our offering pre customized kits. Well, Phoenix like does it. I know they do it. You can like order yours ahead of time. So, yeah. but you know, Phoenix is on another level in terms of like financial might and what have you. Right, so. right. Yeah. Cause I mean, I guess at that point when you saw, when you would see, again, if you could imagine seeing Salgado kits like already done, available for sale from the shop straight to your door, nines on them already, then they probably got to renegotiate their contracts, right? Because at this uh, point, they'll, yeah. be, they'll be selling custom merch based on like the brand name of a player, if you will, yeah, um, which isn't a true. bad thing to, for them to get to at some point, I would think. Right. Yeah. That would just add like the potentially add a layer of complexity to it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, just all for looking legit. Um, so new signings for us this year, obviously Kaylin Ryden has been a big one for us, right. From real monarchs. You know, I know I heard Duke Keith kind of comment on, you know, the Real Monarch team obviously not being very much the same that it was previously. And 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 Kaylin Ryden coming to us is like such a huge addition uh, for our back line. Um, the guy is very vocal. He's such a he, – he's definitely got uh, captain qualities, even though he doesn't wear the C. Um, I, I do believe when they brought him here um, that they envisioned like a back three with uh, Justin Schmidt and Rashid Tete just having three true center backs in the back the whole time. And of course our season really hasn't been that with Justin Smith out for the season injured, you know, Rashid Tete has played, you know, he had foot surgery earlier this year. He's been able to play, but what we've had back there, you may have saw in the last match is we, we've been moving players around a lot. So mm -hmm. um, for instance, like uh, I think the first time, that the team played, we had uh, Salim Muhammad, who's typically a holding midfielder playing in a center back role uh, because we had the center back that got hurt and we had no sub for him. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's had to learn how to play the position. And of course, a fan favorite for you guys, Daniel Bruce, uh, <laughs> has had to learn how to play uh, a right back, you know, when he's typically a attacking uh, midfielder. So, you know, he's, he's had to learn how to play that role. And, of course, you know, where for myself, it's not necessarily my favorite just because I, I think about, like, size adversity. Like, I can't imagine Brucey playing against Salgado, but he did. And it, But, it, you know, it's just, you know, you want someone who's, like, at the same height, maybe the same physical speed attribute, something like that to kind of keep up, you know, because there's so much sure. you're giving up in those matches. and. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm biased, but that is a mismatch for sure. But then again, Omar yeah. is a mismatch for most fullbacks in the league. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, but it, it it is a mismatch, and you're not. I mean, you're not biased. Like I definitely see that. Well, 
I mean, for us, a lot of the times, some of the subs are like, whoa, okay, all right, let's see. Well, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's definitely it changes the experience watching it. Um, uh, so Kalen Ryden, definitely been huge. Of course, the things that I like about Ryden are that he can get up. He's definitely got uh, striker mentality. We learned when we interviewed him earlier in covid and times that uh, that he had played as a, a striker um, when he was in high school and a little bit through college. And, you know, then at some point he transitioned back into just being a center back, but he still has the ability to just go up and kind of uh, stimulate the attack, you know, so definitely a huge addition there. Um, Amando Moreno, definitely. I think at first, I think like, you know, whenever, you, whenever these people sign with the team and, you're, and you look at their resume and you're like, okay, Chicago fire. And then he's got some league at MX kind of experience. And, you know, and so you're like, okay, cool. Big, this is big for the team. Cause this is not just someone coming out of college, not just someone coming from league one or, you know what I mean? Or, or sure. playing like from another league. So I, I think it took them a little time to really get like the, the rhythm or the flow of, of the attack. I think that he has really worked himself into, um, into the, the flow of, of what they're doing on the attack here. And, and he's really been involved like in some way in the, in the team sheet, like over the last, like I'd say five or six weeks, whether it's scoring goals, back-to-back matches, like he's done on the last three weeks or, you know, also being a part of assist as well. And, um, and it, it really came big for us because we, you know, we haven't had Devin Sandoval in. So, you know, it's just seeing his integration um, has been pretty sweet. Um, and then I, I think midfield wise, I would say Andrew Tanari has been a, a great addition as well. I, of course, he comes from Red Bulls too, and 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 he really brings like grit. Um, mm. He's very aggressive. Um, we really got to see his best against Phoenix Rising, and you know, just earlier in that match, um, you know, and, and of course, just just his fight. I mean, you know, him being in the right places at the right times, you know, kind of put us back in the Phoenix match initially. You know, when they were down 3-2, that, that was a time to kind of invigorate things um, before that game got away. Um, but, like, to me, like, those are the ones I'm excited about. Of course, we have Romeo Parks, and I I don't think we've seen all that he can offer yet. I think we've seen maybe things we didn't think he could offer that we didn't know or to expect. Like, he's brought a lot uh, of, of hold-up play, you know, just a lot of control of the ball. Um, he's been a big figure on the pitch, uh, you know, and, and these are all things that obviously have been beneficial in previous matches. Um, I think that a lot of people really want to see him break out and score goals and, and really uh, just be in dangerous positions up top, winning balls. And, and, you know, of course, then just seeing all kinds of, you know, uh, backflip celebrations that, you know, that... <laughs> that you see on the highlight reels and uh, you know, cause for the fans, I mean, that's, that's an exciting piece. Like they, they got to see that one time against Phoenix and it was like, wow, like, you know, it set the roof off, I would say. Right. So, I mean, I think that those are like the ones 
that I'm really excited about. I probably should throw in David Najem too, um, just because he was brought in really as competition at right back. And then as it was us letting go of Manny Padilla due to like his allegations, you right. know, yep. I mean, David Najem was already playing back in that position as well. And we really got to see, you know, his ability to, you know, be an attacking piece, like the way Josh Suggs is and go up, up top and, and play up high and, and he's a good distributor. So I mean those are some of the new ones that we have that I think that are that are key pieces that are really um that you're really seeing like contributions in right now. I I actually forgot to mention uh Distel Zola as well. Yeah uh, what how could you how could you forget I know right I stand him so hard and then I just forgot <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he's some player he he hasn't really figured that that much into the starting lineup but uh he's a great option to have he did start last time out but um I think Mark is still building trust with him but uh his his resume is impressive. I, he's one of the players in the squad who's played at some, probably some of the highest levels as far as, you know, the French second division and, and all that. So he's, he's a very talented player, good work rate, um, lovely family. Right. <laughs> His kids are so adorable, but I mean, that has nothing to do with on the pitch. Just had to throw that out there. But no, um, I mean, I've, I've read up on him. Definitely. I agree with you on that. So that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess with our, our side, it's like, Austin was rough. Now that I look back to it, I mean, I that was, I was actually just super stoked. I mean, because that was a match I got to go to before all this broke out. We we probably literally probably got super lucky about the whole COVID thing and having yeah. flown, flown to Austin and gotten back before any major shutdowns were starting to happen. And um, but I remember I remember what it was like in Austin. Obviously, their first match, and it was like here we've added these pieces. You know, here are here our first year guys are our second year guys and, and definitely, you know, obviously as, as first matches will be like the chemistry with, with two different types of, of people, players that, you know, don't know each other yet. Things are, will be off, but, you know, of course with this being a short season, they're also forced to have to have that chemistry faster or how to gel faster. Like they don't have like, you know, the first 10 matches of a, what is like normally a 34 game, uh, season, you know what I mean, to figure out the side. Like, they've got to figure it out, like, faster. And so right. I think that they have really bonded for the most part. Um, you know, our, a lot of it, I think, honestly has to do with all the bus rides. It's going to sound funny, but, I mean. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. The, the fact that they're playing on the road so much, like, I mean, yeah, they don't get to sleep on their own beds and they have to ride all day, but I think some of them are really – are really bonding much through those those bus rides, and it's probably like being back in school and playing, uh, you know, like playing, uh, being a student athlete, you know, and you're just sure. always traveling somewhere, and you know, it's it's the different things. I mean, I kind of witnessed a little bit of it, of it when I was coming back from Austin because they were all on the plane with me, so you know, just seeing them all kind of just little things like suggesting music for each other, or one dude's like, dude, your socks are tight. And the other guy's like, yeah, you got to cut them like here. And just, you know, little things that you're like, okay, that's cool. These are grown men, but they're, you know, they're giving each other style points and <laughs> suggesting music and just all the things yeah. we would do too. But it's just, it's novel when you see athletes doing it. I think it's cool. So, um, yeah. So you do you feel like Locomotive 
like as of late are gelling with these new additions like well yeah i mean it's like you said the the whole shortened season with the return to play is kind of a great equalizer for everyone i guess you could say in that we're all you know to varying degrees experiencing the same thing with like just a bunch of fixtures in the run-in i think new mexico united you know are a little disadvantaged more than most by not being able to play at home um but you know on our side i think that I think the fans was a big boost. You could tell that the, the the players were really happy to see people at the swap, as we call it. Um, but uh, yeah, the the new players, surprisingly, you know, amongst ourselves on Seriously Loco, we were kind of skeptical of these signings because it's just like we were signing a bunch of defenders, and and Mark did warn us, you know, some of these signings might not make sense right now, but you know, I have to be planning for the future too because this season's kind of not a write-off, but like just a strange one, you know, like where you don't have that time, as you said. So for the most part, though, I feel like the new pieces have have contributed um, pretty uh, soon, you know, pretty rapidly and are, and are getting getting on on the pitch. Um, I mean, we haven't seen Eder Borelli yet, but pretty much everyone else I've talked about ha- has seen time on the pitch and, and looks good and looks, you know, um, like a fit for the system because that, that you know that's another thing that that um, you get with the Mark Lowry team is they have to fit the system. We're not just going to you know buy people for the sake of it, um, right? And be good characters as well. That's something that's very important to Mark. So so yeah, I think we're I think we're lucky with some of the business that we've done. And I mean, I say lucky, but I know that Mark is, does his due diligence on these players. So I just think in the situation in, in the pandemic world as it as it <laughs> is you know we've been lucky in terms of how the players have played and and we're in a good little run of form right now so it's a good time for us to host uh new mexico united even though it's technically an away game for us but obviously we're <laughs> physically at home so it's kind of an interesting one yeah so speaking of that i mean um so what is this thing called right like i i mean we know last year it was called the rio grande derby and then you know, I'm hearing Colin Devers and, and Phil trying to put the uh, the Derby Del Camino or was it the Derby uh, Camino Del Real in there? Derby Del Camino Real sounds right. Yeah. So I think Rio Grande Derby, I mean, I'm sure I said this at some point last season just because it seemed like the obvious choice. But I mean, I, I don't mind Derby Del Camino Real. It's something. <laughs> I mean, it's uh it's not as. uh. It's not as uh, on the nose, I guess, as a Rio Grande Derby. So if Phil and, and Colin want to stand that name, then I'm I'm with it. What do you, what is the <laughs> what's the perception on the United side of as far as what this uh, this rivalry is called? They they all think it's called the Rio Grande Derby, but I mean, I'm, I guess it could be both, right? Yeah, I guess it could be. I mean, they they think it's called that for the most part, and we know that. You know, the supporter groups are like, they kind of are the ones that hold it just because, you know, because yeah. they kind of try to establish it together. Uh, I mean, I do like the Derby Del Camino Real. Like, that, that is cool. Like, um, you know, it's got, it's got a cool, like, flow to it. Yeah. You know, I think we just got to get that, that one artist that you guys have locally who designed, uh, who's been designing those match day posters. The one I oh, think. Oh, yes. Patrick Abeldon. Yeah. Yeah, I, the one I still have here is that that really cool one with the uh, the locomotive logo with kind of that stained glass kind of feel to it. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I tried to save all my match day posters because they're just all gorgeous, especially the ones that uh, Patrick has done. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think that it's still down the line. I hope that they'll uh, just establish what it is and we and we have it, we have that going on. I mean, one thing that Duke obviously did for us is, you know, name the team the Kings of Chaos. So that's been like the, that's been the hype here ever I since. I love Duke, but I hate that. Like, I hate that he gave y'all a moniker that sticks. But you know what? It's, it fits in a lot of ways. I mean, you're, you guys are a team full of shit houses. I'm just going to put it right out there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have enjoyed your guys' fantasy rostering. I do. I don't think I heard one in the last episode. I think you guys might be. We're, we're having some bit of issues with recruitment this year, being that you know uh, the uh, the the effects of the pandemic are not just on the uh, the teams themselves, but seriously, Loco Shit House Eleven is we're we're waiting for this match against United so we can fill out the roster. <laughs> yeah, I was I was definitely very surprised that you have your own players on it too. I was like, all right, well, you know, yeah, you gotta is... be fair, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I mean. Uh, okay, so going into this match, obviously El Paso's uh, 0-2 and 2. You guys have gotten two draws, got two losses on it uh, for now. I mean, so obviously you want to win, but I mean, like, what what is the resounding like? What is the sound there? Like, what 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 are folks thinking about this matchup? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how how big is this one to win? Oh, it's huge. Um, I mean. You know, it's a derby. Obviously, it's a rivalry, and and I'm sure it's sticking in the players' minds that we've never, you know, they've never beaten New Mexico United. Um, and I think anyone who's doubting whether this is a rivalry need only look at the the game stats from these past four fixtures. There's been a penalty awarded in all but the first game, and the first game had two red cards. So you know, this is a testy testy fixture. I think for both sides, that both sides definitely want to be winning. Um, for us, I think it's really going to take two things. One, concentration. Uh, we're going to have double the amount of fans that we had last time out against Real Monarchs. So that might add a little, a new dimension to it for our players, but also just in general, concentration on the pitch. Lately, when we concede, it's because we have lost focus and left gaps that shouldn't be there. Um, and, and then number two is goal scoring. I mean, period. If we can score, we have a chance. Um, and I think, you know, United's defense, you know, Kalen Red and notwithstanding is probably one that can be gotten at, um, having seen y'all concede to Colorado Springs, you know? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think those two things are really key to, to maybe getting a result here. I think we're well placed to get a result, but I mean, you never know these, you know, I got to use the cliche form goes out the window with this one. It seems, um, yeah. and I think that, uh, I think United are are better i guess you could say in terms of the the mind games and the dark arts if you will and and i think locomotive are not i think we're sometimes too business-like <laughs> um, right. to our detriment which most of the 99 percent of the time it's a good thing but when you're playing your rival maybe not maybe we need to do a little bit of that too and and put some needle into the game for ourselves but uh i hate this fixture but i I'm looking forward to it if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy that we got it four times and I'm also happy that we probably don't have Phoenix uh in this bracket. At first I think we're uh, we I think we wanted it. We wanted 
to just go ahead and have it all in the same same fixture and just have some just because you know it'd be the most watched bracket like you know and you know what i mean both of our teams have played phoenix and had different results and you know which both losses but to what magnitude right and um for for united i think you know obviously it's big because there's currently like that five point lead you know you guys have a match in hand right at least one at this point uh due to what's been what's been canceled think so oh, yeah. yeah i think i think that's right one of us has a match in hand last time i yeah. checked i think it might be us yeah. I, I think should probably know that but <laughs> no, no 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 i mean you have a match in hand because of the postponement uh match right with... because of colorado springs yeah exactly yeah. obviously yeah yeah so <laughs> I mean, five so five, five points right now and of course you know obviously with us you know not pulling away with three in colorado springs you know it you know and just getting that one it like it brought the gap closer so really it's a it's big because you getting the three points is going to be closer. It's going to make it uh, a much different scenario, something kind of similar to last year where I think things kind of turned, where teams got hot early, you know, and then, like, you guys kind of came through, had some acquisitions, and then kind of sailed into, like, the Western Conference final. Um, So, you know, for United, like, they want to keep the steam. Uh, I personally, in my own thought process, is that, they didn't come out sharp enough against Colorado Springs. I mean, you know, this is a team that they beat five times already between two years, and and to come out and not have a goal in the first half, they had they haven't had that happen since Austin of this season. They've always had at least one goal. They had uh, two first... shots, right? Two shots, like yeah, not even just on target, but just total. I mean, that's the other thing too. And I'm sorry to cut across no, here, but but. Uh... One thing that we think maybe might be an advantage to us is just fatigue. I mean, I, I, you spoke about how it probably has given the guys an opportunity to bond being on the road basically exclusively this season. But at some point, I think that fatigue probably plays into to some of these, you know, less than stellar results for New Mexico. The most recent one, obviously, I know you guys have been winning pretty regularly before that, but I, yeah. you know, I wonder if that kind of sets in a little bit. Yeah. For this it, match. I do think it does because I mean, on today's press conference, you know, you know, Troy Lasane as well as players are obviously very vocal about you know that there isn't much comfortability in you know. Uh, if the question was asked whether they went, they were com- comfortable in that match, maybe like complacent, but like the, the the way the answer came out was more like there's no comfortability with the fact that they've been on the road for like ten weeks and that they've had to. You know, obviously, you know, so they're traveling these distances, uh, they're waking up, you know, in, in hotels and, you know, trying to, and then they got to ride home. So there's all of these things kind of going on and not to mention probably the mental health too, just, you sure. know, keeping things like keeping things together and whatnot, as far as, you know, you're away from your family a little bit, you don't kind of get that sort of Saturday routine, right. That, that, or a Friday, Saturday routine that players are going to have when they're at home. Um, so, like, I think for them, it's going to be not making errors, right? And we've seen some costly errors. We saw it in Phoenix with balls going around the, around the midfield. We saw it in Colorado Springs this last week, um, just the ball kind of floating where Guzman would have been, but he was on the sideline because he was, you know, temporarily, temporarily out. And so that was a ball that became possession quick. So yeah. they have to minimize uh, their mistakes, their – especially in dangerous areas where the other team can have, 
uh, counters, you know, uh, and I think against Locomotive, and we've said this on every episode, um, they have to mark Salgado. Like, they cannot ultimately let him get in behind because he gets in cho- choice places. I mean, the balls are played as long, long, like long passes over the top, and it's just a speed race at that point. And so he's got to be matched up, like, to me, I think, with someone who can stay with him, which is there aren't that many. Uh, two, again, <laughs> like, two, I mean, you know, it's going to be not giving him those dangerous spaces. And, you know, when you're playing a back, a back three, I mean, there's a lot of space back there. So I think that Troy's going to have to be very uh, sensible about whether he wants to be in a three, four, three, or if he wants to be in a true four, two, three, one with like an actual, you know, back four, you know, that can truly transition back. And I think that, that, the exploit that we've seen in previous matchups with locomotive have been that the back four couldn't get back in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the high press obviously is a good thing that has definitely helped uh, United. And I do think that they will commit to that. Um, I do think that uh, they will commit to high press. I think that they will be trying to throw confusion with your, with your, your, uh, your back line. Um, now, obviously with you having King and common in there, that's a different look that we haven't seen. So, I mean, as you guys like to build out of the back, like now that you have maybe other players besides Meshack and, uh, and Toko doing it, that could, that could change some things. There might be some good control back there or, you know, right. um, so, so I think that's for us, we need to score. I mean, right now the team is averaging one goal a game, like 1.8. I think that's something along those lines. And, you know, I mean, to me, I think they need to get that average up. Like, they can – whenever we play you guys, you guys have the most of the shots, you know, that are taken. Um, possession, I, I feel like, is, a, is can go either way with our teams because it really comes down to, A, what you're doing with it when you have it, and, B, how well you defend when you don't have it. Um, but I think that uh, we have to take – more shots and we have to have more percentage um, on, on frame. There's got to be a sharper conversion rate with us because we you know we have your got... conversion rate is double ours though, right? <laughs> is it? it? Yeah. You're converting about 22% of your chances. We've got about 12. It doesn't, so... it doesn't watch like that. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's you... the thing about stats, right? They can only go so far that I tested something else. So it sounds, it sounds, it's funny. It sounds like we kind of have the same, opinions about what needs to be to be done to win this match but i mean that's the, that's the thing about this fixture yeah, it's just a weird one it is the the other thing that i think comes in is that um is that second balls and i feel like united has mm. been good about second balls you know and that I was maybe that. something yeah. that wasn't always there for us the first time around when, when we first started playing you guys so they've had those second chances it's look if the guys can figure out how to stay on sides with bicycle kicks and all kinds of fancy footwork. I mean, those are probably extra goals in this match that we're, we're missing out on. I think that, you know, and I don't know how you can really check your gravity. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like a bicycle right. kick takes some time and then dudes can just set the trap and if you're off sides, I mean, it's just how it is. So, so is, is, uh, is Devin Sandoval available for this fixture? Or is he injured? What's up with him? 
So we we didn't get an injury report today. We typically do get scouting reports about it. Um, you know, I think in the previous matches, like it's just been a little bit of back strain for the most part. Okay. Um, but, but we have we have no idea whether or not he is is in this one or not, and we, we probably won't know until uh, until an hour before. Gotcha. All right, because he's a menace. Obviously, if I don't see him start, <laughs> I'll be thrilled. <laughs> so. Right on. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, is there anything else that that you want to throw on the top of this um, before I guess before this thing kicks off? I mean, I don't know. I I, I want to say good luck, but I don't wish you all luck. I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it'll be an interesting one for sure. I think with uh, fifteen hundred fans at the swap, it'll be it'll be maybe somewhat it'll harken back to some of the more testy matches we've had pre pandemic. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to predict this one. I mean, we do our predictions on, on the pod every week, right. but uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, we're, we're just chopping at the bit. We want to get this win so badly. I mean, I think, I think both teams are a lock for the playoffs, but just for, for confidence, you know, and for to get that monkey off our back of like we've never beaten you all. It's kind of ridiculous at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I think it's going to be a great fixture and a great match. And and I, I should be there in person, hopefully. Um, I'll be I'll be working that one. But uh, obviously I'll have my eyes trained on the pitch and be thinking like a fan, even though I'll be working. So, right. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And yeah, I definitely. You no, know, I doubt. That. I doubt anyone listening will want to check out Seriously Loco. But if you do, I'll, I'll, I'm plugging it now. I mean, you know, if you just want to do some of your own scouting, just take a look at our our, our Twitter feed or our Patreon or, or what have you. And you know, at the end of the day, we're all a big family of creators, so it's cool. Exactly. Thank you so much for being on the show, Mika. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll be talking soon. Absolutely. All right, so that was the uh, conversation I had with uh, Mika Burrell about locomotive. Um, Alicia, I know, uh, like I said, like what what did you kind of take away from some of the things she said? Um, and do you do you agree or do you have different uh, different thoughts or opinions on on locomotive coming in to this week? Um. You know, I kind of like I'm. I kind of agree with uh, with Mika. You know, with as I was saying, their new signings. They're they're extremely dangerous. They have, you know, how she said they have the connection with FC Juarez. They have two new players from there, and then they also got a sign a defender from Minnesota United. And it's just they have to put. They have you know, like the weapons to put the team together. But the thing is, when it comes to that, sure, they have these great players, but how well is their chemistry together? Because at the end of the day, it's a team sport. It's not an individual. Right, yeah. And and that's the thing, too, is like now sec- the second season of this, and we've seen, because uh, we initially saw El Paso do this last year when they brought in, uh, Jerome Kisawetter and brought in Sebastian Velasquez, you know, and, and started to kind of add some pieces uh, to their team. And, and, and here they are again, obviously a new year with, with more, with more weapons, if anything. Um, 
You are right, though. Like, chemistry definitely is going to make a part in, in things. And, you know, I mean, I know that they've had a couple of matches with their defenders. So, to me, like, that will be interesting to see how well um, how well that team reacts to United. Because, you know, we, we expect United to go into that match um, the same way they did the last time with the high press. You know, we expect them to still commit to that. Um, of course, we're. I'm. I guess I'm more. Can, I'm more curious about the formation that United may use in that match. Yeah. Well, I definitely just personally, I don't think works for us. Is Suggs on the wing? He needs to be in his left back position because it's just. I don't know. To me, it's not working out right there. Does it seem like when Troy does a three four three and he puts Suggs in that that's winger position that it kind of gives up what we're trying to do? Like it kind of seems like it's a misstep for us. Yeah, it kind of does because even though he likes to play high, if you give him if you put him up top more, the higher he's gonna play. And he's just going to have to rush down and, you know, and defend and defend and defend when, you know, he's in his left back position. They have, he has, you know, Kaylin telling him like, Hey, like, okay, go up or like, Hey, we need you back here. You need to, you need to come back here. And in the mid, like you're kind of, you're kind of like free to go anywhere you want. And that's where it's kind of scary because then we can leave a whole side open and that's where we have to really watch it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and 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 going back along the lines of like these new signings, I mean, you know, we're really going to need to see how we can uh, get into dangerous spaces next to even uh, Maka King um, or even uh, Brent Coleman. Um, I got a chance to watch the El Paso match a little bit, and I saw the goal that. Mika referred to um, earlier on from Brent, where essentially it was a a corner kick, and on the backside, no one had marked Brent Common, and he just basically ran up and just gave it like this monstrous head headbutt and just put the ball like right in the net. And you know, I know that sometimes United struggles to defend you know, the corner kicks, you know, as well as, like, just the actual set pieces, you know. So, to me, like, having someone like Coleman, who's a tall player, and he's pretty he's pretty stout, you know, that we're really going to have to make sure that we're, that we're evenly matched. And as you know, at times, sometimes there's definitely a great mismatch between our players and theirs. Yeah, there, there is, and at and we're either going to have to double team or triple team or, you know, with the tallest players, you're going to have to have our bigger guys on them, you know, Kaylin, And, you know, if Devin plays, Devin's going to have to be in there. And it's just a lot of our players are tiny and we there's no really so much we could do about that. Yeah, you bring up a good good point, though, like how much do we really need Devin in this match? I mean, like, we have not had him in some of the last matches that I think would have really made a difference to have had him. Um, just because, 
you know, we're we're not getting everything that we could get out of that striker role with Romeo. And of course we haven't really seen Sergi, you know. So to me, like it seems like we really need Devin back. And I know that um that we've that I heard in the press conference today that some of why he was out was still because of like the lower back strain, like it was still kind of, you know, um affecting him. But you know, we didn't hear anything today as far as whether or not he was out or if he was available. So I'm hoping that we'll have him back because, like, that really did make a difference those first two matches. I am sure we'll have him back because I believe he rested, what, two or three games? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure they, like, we'll just save him for El Paso and, you know, just get your rest and we'll be fine because there is a lot of talent on the bench that we can rely on. Right. So we know El Paso is really wanting this win. They haven't they haven't beat us yet. And this is crazy that we're going up against all these teams that have that same thing in common. Um, I had listened to uh, a Phoenix Rising podcast that Phil Bakke from Seriously Loco went on. And this was prior to uh, Phoenix playing um, New Mexico. But it was funny because, you know, both Phoenix and El Paso are sitting in the same room on a podcast talking about, man, I'd really like to get a win against New Mexico, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a sad day. I mean, of course, Phoenix got that win. And, and so they're a little bit satisfied, but El Paso is definitely in the hunt. And on top of that, I mean, we're leading group C by five points. We have 20 points. They've got 15, you know, this is a really big match. Um, you know, this match to me, like this makes a difference as far as what's happening in our bracket. Uh, what do you think United has to do in order to be successful? Man, you know, they're going to have to come out strong. They can't be sluggish like they were against Springs and, they have to constantly keep that high pressure and not let, you know, Salgado get the ball, let Zola get the ball. And and if it gets to the point where you have Salgado in the box trying to take a shot, triple team him, double team him because it he's dangerous and he's also really tall. And also the middle like like I said before we cannot keep that middle open because that's where they like to play it through the middle and when they see a chance that they, they'll get they're going to eat it up yeah definitely to echo what you're saying I mean we we have to make sure that we don't give up any dangerous spaces and we've seen Omar Salgado several times running up the left and, and right, like, flanks, the channels of the pitch. And, you know, and we, we have to put someone on him that can really mark him. Um, you know, I thought Salih did well once he realized what he was up for. But, I mean, essentially, like, Salgado is still a problem. He is still a very big guy, very fast guy. And um, unless they're going to really – uh, step into some of the spaces, they're going to have to do something about a lot of those through balls that are played to him. Yeah, and also, too, um, they've had their new players like kind of just sitting on the bench, especially the forward that they have. 
He's very, very talented. And he, I think he's probably going to be one of the best strikers out of all El Paso's players, one of the best players um, with Garijo. And if they put him in, oh, man, they're going to have to really, really watch him. Not And they, they he cannot get, like, a toe on that ball because if he does – he is gone, and, you know, it's a possibility that we'll lose to them. Yeah, so definitely uh, we have to watch uh, the additions from FC Juarez. Uh, and, you know, and that, that definitely just brings the fact that United has to go into this match fully confident. Um, in the press conference today, I could tell you that I didn't walk away from that press conference feeling as though um, there was a sort of assured confidence. Um, it felt kind of like, you know, when Troy said, you know, we've got respect for El Paso. They have a lot of talent. You know, um, it's going to be a tough match. And, you know, and, and they're coached really well. You know, that may have been him giving me a coach's answer, you know, and being humble just because of all the people that are in the room and all the different mediums that could produce the comment. But to walk away from that press conference and kind of feel unsure for the moment, you know, about how we're going to do, you know, it kind of felt a little similar to how I felt last season. Um, when we had five or six matches left and, and every week it was like, we got this controlled. We got this, we got this one. Um, you know, uh, what, what was the comment? It was always, uh, we control our own destiny. And that used to, that was concerning to me because every week it was not a winning result. It was a loss and we were getting closer and closer to, you know, to not having any more chances. Now, I mean, obviously, we're in one of the top two spots, but I'm hoping that the way I felt leaving the press conference and the way I feel on Saturday are, like, two different, like, emotions. Yeah, it, it's tough when it comes to Troy with that, and I bet, you know, he's nervous, and, and you know, he's just trying to be humble and keep – and, like, have everyone think, like, he has everything under control. But, you know, it. we don't know what goes through his head. And with teams, you know, like this getting stronger at the end and we're trying to figure them out, I'm, I'm sure it's stressful. And it's just something that he's going to have to take game by game and not focus too much on, you know, getting into playoffs and just, you know, like I said, just take it game by game and just focus on El Paso for now. Let's get the three points. And then, you know, next week, focus on the next one. And then just keep doing that because if you focus too much on the future, it's just, you know, we're going to be struggling for points like we did last season. Man, more wisdom. I feel like you've been to some of these press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> um, so lastly, then um, – Lastly, I know that there were a couple of questions on on um, Facebook for us. I'm not sure how many of those we can really answer, but let's just see what we got. The ones that we can't answer, 
um, then we'll I'll send them in and try to get answers for them for the next time that we're together. Um, question one comes from uh, from Gary uh, Gary Renew, and he basically says, "Where's Big Dev? Does he have an injury or being rested?" And of course, we talked about that one. Um, we said that you know, obviously, he's been rested. He's being rested from a little bit of the back strain that he had earlier on, and so um, that's where he's been. We don't know whether or not he'll be in this match. We're hopeful, or we have high hopes that he'll be available. Um, so obviously, we'll kind of have to see um, that day. Uh, question two comes from him as well. He says. Will we have even one home game with minimal fans? Um, you know, today in the press conference, Troy really, he kind of said, I don't know if we're going to have any home games. He's like, I, he's like, I don't even know if we're going to have any or, you know, and even, you know, and, and you got the idea that even if we finish first, there might be the idea that we still don't, that we don't even actually get to have the game um, here. So, I mean, to me, like the numbers are going uh, are going down from what we're hearing, and you know, there hasn't been really any news about whether or not we're going to have a home match yet. Maybe they know a little bit more. Um, Gary, we'll have to really put this question towards the club and see if there's any information that they have, anything. Um, Fourth telling. So we'll we'll come back to this one as well. Um, another question that we had, which I had already kind of answered, uh, a gentleman, Nathan Lucero, he asked, how long is Lassane's contract? And I'm like, well, they don't really publish that. You know, um, you know, honestly, if I had to guess how long his contract is, I bet it's probably like four years, four or five years. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, I think it's like five years yeah, like I, I bet that there's probably, you know, I bet that he, he's got a progressive contract and that there's probably things that that he sets out to accomplish each year. And But I bet it's pretty pretty wide open, so to say, like five years and we'll see what, what you can do from there. Yeah, it, it's like that. And then, like, they're going to be like, we added another year and then they added another year. We added two more years. It's just – it's – just to see how successful he can be with the team. And if not, they probably will are going to have to find someone else. It's just like, you know, it's like with other teams in like La Liga or Premier League, if they don't like with Tottenham, I'm sorry, but like with Tottenham, <laughs> 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 they, that's a lot of coaches. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, they had to go through coaches. And, you know, the most recent one where they asked him about the Champions League final, he's like, I don't know. I never lost a Champions League final. I was like, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, that's a, that's a, such a hot take. I think it's so great. Um, <laughs> uh, Nathan there also asks, he says, how much communication happens with our club and other clubs for our on the rise players? And I don't know if, if really there's that sort of channel. Cause I mean, 
you know, United is an independent club. We don't really have, or we haven't seen any particular partnerships with MLS. Um, we have obviously heard the USL buzzing about Chris Weehan and about how he's on fire and deserves another chance. Um, you know, do you think that, do you, do you think like at this point MLS is watching or do you think maybe at the end of the season, maybe there, there might be some sort of talks that could happen. Um, and, and I base that on the fact that, I mean, you know, when you compare him to say like junior Fleming's like, that's like a whole different type of player. Right. And, you know, everyone's talking about that guy going to MLS too. So it seems like we have two different kinds of, of players to, to kind of compare and contrast. I'm sure they're different, but. Yeah. And I think maybe they're watching, but maybe not to where it's. They're like, you know, they're heavily watching him and following him to see what he's doing. They're kind of probably just cherry picking to see, you know, who has like the MLS potential or who deserves a chance again. And it, and you know, I can definitely see junior Flemings going up into the MLS or maybe a different league. And like, who was it that went to the league under premier league? It was a goalie. I think it was Sacramento's goalie from last season. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it could be something like that, too. Or, like, with Kavan, he went to play – oh, man, I forget the league. It, I know it's from India. And he went to go oh. play all the way over there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then right now he's playing a, a league in Israel, right? That's mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess, like, I mean, man, they asked some really good challenging questions. And, and, um, and I'll definitely have to – you know, really elevate all these up to to see if Troy can answer them because we, we don't know if there is any sort of scouting report on that level happening for our team. I mean, we haven't done too much yet as a squad. Yes, Chris Wean has had a goal in every match, but there's still so much more I think he probably has to accomplish to get onto that sort of a discussion, you know. And, and right now scoring six goals and having a few assists – you know, for a team that's halfway through a season, it's probably not necessarily maybe enough for someone to, to toss a contract at him, but I'm sure they're probably looking at him as, okay, well, could this guy have, like, could he be a potential, like, you know, you know, um, what do they call him, like, prospect, like, maybe in the, in the years to come. So, I mean, really, like, he probably has a lot, to do with whether or not he's in that sort of conversation or maybe just on a stronger USL side. Yeah. Uh, it's. Oh, sorry. No, like, yeah, he has to do way more than, than what he's doing right now. And also with junior Fleming's like, sure. He has so many goals in the back of the net, but can he do like the other things and not, you know, kind of be so much of a ball hog? Right. That's true. Um, The last question we had was also from Gary, and he said, um, how far can this team go in the playoffs? And I want to throw that one to you. I mean, to what, what do you think? Like, how do you feel about 
the way the team is currently running? I mean, how far do you think we can get based on how we're going? Man, 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 that's a a tough one. Um, I can see us getting to, what is it, the, like, the second, the second match in the play, in the playoffs, you know, playing some, the winner from the group D, I think. Okay, yeah, so the first match is, like, the quarterfinals where we play, uh, we would play either D1 or D2. Mm-hmm. And then I the next match semifinals. Semi, yeah. I think, like, I like I have a gut feeling that we'll make it to semifinals. But after that, I have no clue. Because, you know, every anything is just so unpredictable on who we can be playing. For all we know, we could be playing... Colorado Springs in the quarterfinals and then in the in the semi I can I can see we us playing San Antonio right well and the other thing we have to take into consideration too which I'm sure in a couple more matches we can start to do that is we'll have to look at our overall ranking too in the Western Mm -hmm. Conference because after we get through the initial um sem our quarterfinals it's going to come down to seeding, like how to seed the teams. Um, and so at that point, you know, you never know who we could be playing. We could be playing like a Reno or Sacramento Sacramento team, or we could be playing an Orange County or Phoenix team. Like, you know, and then that's going to also dictate where we play the match based on the seeding. So, I mean, more to come definitely on that. I, If I had to weigh in, Gary, I, I would say um, – I would say, oh, and I, and I it may be Jerry Renault. I, I'm, I get that one always messed up because I see a G. <laughs> I see a G, and I always want to say Gary, but it's I know it's Jerry. Um, so my bad. But uh, uh, to me, honestly, I feel like we could get. I feel like we could get to the Western Conference Final. I, I feel like Alicia does. I feel like we can get to the semifinals. I feel like I could I could say comfortably that we would get to the semifinal. Um, I feel like to say we can get to the Western Conference final and play Phoenix is kind of like a fairy tale sort of mystery match that I want. Like I would love to say, hey, we're both going to win our games and we're both going to be in the final. But I know that I'm really like, you know, throwing up a lot of possibilities. Like, okay, well, they need to win. They need to lose. They need to win. And then here's going to be this magical match, this big rivalry match again for us. Um, and I just don't feel like I can say that just yet. Maybe after a couple more matches with El Paso, um, I'll feel a little bit better about that. Okay, so we don't have any more questions, and I wanted to cycle back to Devin Sandoval's um, beer. So it's called Day of the Dread. Um, it launches. It launched at Star Brothers Brewing Company. Um, they had a special edition crowler um, for it. And um, the donation goes to uh, Breaking the Silence NM, uh, which they work with kids and young adults to help break the stigma of mental health and suicide prevention. Um, It also goes to New Mexico Dream Center, which is aimed at stopping child sex and trafficking or sex trafficking. Um, there are QR codes available 
uh, for those who want to make extra donations. But you can basically pick up the beer at Star Brothers. I don't know like what it tastes like if it's an IPA or not. I have no idea. Um, so that's that's going to be up to you who are listening to this to go and, and taste it and let us know what it's like. Um, do, last off, do you want to do a score prediction for the match on Saturday before we get out of here? Uh, sure. You know, like, 2-0 is popping out at me that Ooh. we're going to take a win. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So you got you got a goal scorer on that, too, or what? Um, man, I'm going to go with Moreno on one of them, and the other one, I'm going to give it... Man, I don't know the other one. <laughs> um, with Tanari. Okay, okay. All right. I'm going to say, hmm, what's sticking out to me? You know, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go, oof, that's a hard one. I'm going to go 2 1, um, New Mexico. I'm going to also go with you on Moreno getting a goal. And I'm going to say that Tanari, you, did you just say Tanari too? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I'm going to say Caitlin Ryden gets the goal. Um, I feel like there's going to be a defensive player to get get a goal because I, I think that they're going to do a good job of trying to keep some of our attacking pieces out of the box. Um, so I think it's going to take a full full team effort. Um, so 2-1, and Alicia's got 2-0, another clean sheet for Cody Mizell. Um So, okay then. Well, then. Let's see what happens this Saturday. Um, thank you for joining us for another episode of We Are Seeking Strike Podcast. For Alicia and myself, we're out of here. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike Podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.